Today I'm getting together with Melissa Ressler. It's a privilege because I don't get to talk to her often enough. So I want to catch up and find out, first of all, Melissa, how are you guys doing? We are doing well. My family and I live in the city of Lancaster. Um, so I have my husband and then we have our uh, youngest daughter just turned three on Saturday and the older one will turn six in a couple of weeks. We are, we are healthy. We, by staying home, have avoided even mild germs, so the kids don't have runny noses or anything like that, which, which we're grateful for. And yeah, this is a good week. The sun has been out. We have some exciting things happening, and I also feel good when I feel like I can get some work done, and that's happened this week, too. <laughs> that's so. great, and I understand you're at work now, and you work at Landis Communities with the elderly population. The coronavirus is pretty much ravaging the yes. elderly population right now. How, how's it going with your community? So I have a couple of different roles within Landis Communities. Landis Communities is based here in Lancaster, and they do have a traditional retirement community. Um, my role is with some of their less traditional programs. I am the residence manager at Steepleview Lofts, which is a 55 and up apartment building in the city of Lancaster. So that's all independent living. Uh, we have 43 residents here who are staying at home, sheltering in place, and taking care here in their apartments. And then my other role is as the executive director of the Lancaster Downtowners, which is a separate nonprofit part of the nationwide village movement. And so what we are is a group of older adults who have committed to aging in community, to remaining in their homes throughout all of their retirements and then provide support to one another in order to do that. So we do social programs, uh, educational programs. We have a lot of volunteer support uh, for things like transportation, grocery shopping, technology coaching, which has been really big the last uh, two months, and then connections to other resources. So my days are filled with those types of, of interactions of supporting uh, older adults, engaging in the community and, and living the life they want to live. So you're interacting with a lot of people daily? I am not interacting personally with a lot of people daily. When I am at work, I am typically, where I am right now, I'm in the office by myself. I've really encouraged the residents here to call or email when they have needs and folks, folks want to take care of themselves and they want to take care of the community. So that's been, that's been very good. There are a couple of folks who need additional supports. And so I will, you know, drop off groceries once a week for one individual or, you know, there may be some basic maintenance things that I need to take care of. So we have our, you know, our full personal protective equipment available for that, uh, masks and gloves and, you know, good hand hygiene and things like that. So. Okay, because you are an essential worker, right? Yes. What you do is very yes. important to keeping yes. many people's lives going, but you feel safe doing it. I do feel safe doing that. There's been a lot of excellent direction that I've received in my positions from Landis communities. And they've been working really hard and really proactively to keep the folks that we work with safe. That's had good results thus far. They had one case early on of someone who contracted COVID while they were in the hospital. But other than that, their community has been free from, from COVID, which is amazing. Free from anybody even being sick? Free from residents being sick. Wow. 
That yeah. is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And does that include the downtowners as well? That does not include the downtowners. There's been one known case within our membership. And thankfully, that person has been quarantined and recovering at home and hasn't required hospitalization. So, you know, prayers, prayers of thanksgiving for that and for continued healing and safety. What do you credit that to? Good education or yeah. the right mindset? <laughs> yeah, good education, good care, preparedness folks that I have been working with were very quick to adopt wearing masks. We're very quick to take the stay at home order seriously and very innovative in how they structured their lives now to live through that, you know, very quick to adopt grocery delivery or, you know, from directly from the store or through our organization. I think, you know, the threat was very real and taken very seriously, and that has kept more people safe. The ones who are taking it seriously are, are the ones who are more safe. Mm -hmm. And kudos to those of you who take it seriously and still go out and brave it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you said that they were innovative in the ways that they're restructuring their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of people complain about is the anxiety, um, the emotional distresses that this is causing. And sometimes elderly people who are alone have those predispositions anyway. How's your yeah. community doing in coping with those things? We are taking the question, how are you doing, much more seriously than we would have before. The, the downtowners that I work with are, it's, you know, run mostly through volunteer committees and, and involvement through that way. And whereas our committee meetings, which used to be in person, and now have moved to Zoom. You know, when we would first see each other in person, it might be a quick, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Now when we're connecting via video, those answers are getting a lot more vulnerable and honest. And people are sharing, oh, yeah, you know, last week I had a rough day, but then I called my daughter. You know, I was, I was feeling really sad about this this morning, but I reached out to my neighborhood group. People are dealing primarily with those anxieties, with reaching out to and connecting in the way that they can to feel that closeness with other people. And also being mindful of the self-care that when life gets busy, we can sometimes neglect. You know, folks are really taking advantage of exercise opportunities in home or appropriate safe masked walks. I know folks are dealing with anxieties in that way. Also staying informed from with reputable information going directly to the department of health website going to getting getting good factual news and trying to avoid the accentuated um exciting news stories <laughs> well you've done a good job training <laughs> you're keeping people uh, reputable let's do a plug for kevin's website Oh, yes. Um, one of those reputable websites is oneunitedlancaster.com. And I know that there are up-to-date stories about politics and what local organizations are doing, how the health of the Lancaster community is there. So that's been an excellent new resource over these last few weeks and months. Yes, and there are a lot of links out to mm -hmm. reputable sources of information. So it's like a hub. You yes. know, where people can get started and go from there to find out what they want. So it is an awesome project powered by the United Way of Lancaster. You make that further connection on calls. 
Are mm -hmm. a lot of your community using video call now? Yes. Great. I know when I make calls with people, especially if I have to communicate with people in another language, I like video call so much because eyeball to eyeball, you can see if they're understanding. And I imagine you can understand if they really are happy. You can tell that sparkle in their eye or the yeah. smile on their face. So that's good. Yeah, it really is wonderful. We have within the downtowners about 175 members. And I was, I was doing a quick tally yesterday to see who is not connecting that way. And we've had over 70 of our members connect via Zoom calls with programs or committee meetings or neighborhood group meetings or things like that. So to have that proportion of our, of our members ready to embrace that technology, we did probably 15 or 20 Zoom coaching technology sessions in March. Our volunteers did training folks, getting it set up on their iPad or their iPhone or their, you know, their laptop, whatever they were using. And folks were really eager for that training, not just to participate within our organization, but now they're taking and saying, oh, yes, you know, I had, you know, we hosted our Easter dinner over Zoom. Or, you know, now we connect regularly and, and they're comfortable with it and, and happy to, to engage in that way. It's not the same as a person-to-person -person meeting. You know, we can't, we can't replicate that. But there is still that extra spark of joy that, that I feel myself even when I, when I see these, you know, five or six people on the screen in front of me. And I, can, I see them and they're well and it's... It's lovely. It's so nice to have this technology available to us in this time. What I think about with thankfulness is that we do have these tools of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, Zoom is one thing, but we can still pick up our phones. We can yeah. turn on the TV and, and or the radio or go online and get news. Yeah. Be careful there. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but we can stay connected with people in a way that we never would have been able to yeah. in, you know, just a few decades ago. So I think that I feel very privileged. And when I tend to get a little grumbly about it, I try to pull that gratitude out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've heard some nice stories of folks connecting with someone who lived in their apartment building 35 years ago. And they found their business card in a drawer and wouldn't you know, the number was still correct for them. And they had, you know, 60 or 60 or 70 minute phone conversation catching up after, after decades. I think that when you can't reach out to those that you are used to doing so, we get more creative and more open to connecting with, with people in ways that we might not be inspired to other than that. Um, you know, there's another... A story I enjoyed from a downtowner who they live in, a, in an apartment building in downtown Lancaster, not the one I work in, that would be considered a naturally occurring retirement community in Nork. Um, just the residents there have lived there for a long time and aged together. And they are hosting trivia nights in their hallways. Each will stand in there just in the doorway of their apartment. And the person who lives in the middle apartments will call out the trivia questions when they're all in their own homes wearing their masks, but able to talk that way and enjoy and enjoy getting to know each other and doing things that they wouldn't have been inspired to do before. You know, they had lived next to each other for, for years and knew were friendly, but now with this opportunity 
are engaging in different ways. And I like seeing that creativity. I think it's inspiring. You were right when you said that they were becoming more innovative. Mm-hmm. That, that is that is inspiring, <laughs> isn't it? All with trivia, I know. You said they, they were aging, mm-hmm. uh, sort of an organic aging movement there. I've heard the term aging in place being used a lot more recently. Yes. Can you say what you think about that trend and how it's going to affect aging? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has been a growing trend for a long time. And it's one of the things that the Downtowners Village is, is about, is about aging in place. When we look at what has become sort of the expected retirement or the American dream of retirement is to go to a retirement community or a life plan community where you won't have to worry, you know, you, everything is taken care of. Well, that is one, not what everybody wants. And more importantly, most people can't afford that. It's, it's really financially out of reach for a lot of individuals. Probably 90% of the population will not be able to go and have all of their needs taken care of in a retirement community way. And so aging in place becomes a number one for that first category, a desire of folks who have lived their lives the way that they want to and are going to continue to do that, and those who have have no other choice but know that they will need support to do it well. It's going to continue, but we are going to need to restructure what we have available as as far as supports that go for that. There are plenty of agencies that provide home care when people need care in their homes. But those workers are not valued by society in the way that we need them to be in order to sustain that good workforce as our, uh, as our lives extend, as our, our needs will increase then. So there are also going to need to be additional ways to support that community. I think that we as neighbors need to be encouraged to value our intergenerational neighborhoods and make sure that we are, that we know who our neighbors are in our community and that we are looking out for one another in that way too. And I think that one of the silver linings, I'll call it, of this, of this pandemic experience is that we are becoming more aware of the needs of seniors, of the folks who are aging in place in our community. And I hope that we will continue to increase the way that we care for those folks by having younger generations wearing their masks, by doing those community efforts to know that we are taking care of the most vulnerable to of this disease. And you mentioned wearing the masks. Yes. That's becoming a very hot topic around here. In our community, there are a lot of people who are pushing to mm-hmm. open, and our county has said they will open tomorrow in spite of the fact that our governor has said we should stay closed for several more weeks. I'm also noticing that within that tendency to want to push things forward fast, that people seem to want to just ignore the fact that this is even a problem. Can you speak to that? Can you give an appeal or a a reasoning of why it's important for us to continue to wear our masks on the behalf of other people? It feels like common sense to me that all human life is valued. This has been 
there have been some reports of how this has really emphasized the ageism that is there in our society. And we need to recognize that the value of any life is so strong. If this coronavirus, if the death rate for individuals under 18 was 80%, as a, you know, as 80% of the deaths have been of those over the age of, of 70, we would all be wearing our masks. We would all be taking care of the children. And we need to take care of our elders in the same way. Wearing a mask is a very simple way to help take care of a lot of people. And I, I feel that internally and intrinsically. <laughs> well, I agree with you, but you said it very, very well. Well, very strongly. I was talking to my daughter who went out to uh, an essential need yesterday. Yeah. And she told me that she was bumping into more and more people who were wearing color-coordinated and matching masks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that so that's becoming a thing too. Whatever makes it exciting, you know, whatever whatever inspires you to continue to do it. From what I from what I am reading, this is going to be with us for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if having color coordinated masks is what inspires us to keep people safe for for longer, let's do it. My mother is a seamstress. And so she has been sewing masks for family members and, you know, people she works with and, and all those things. And she, I have my outside mask right here. Oh, let's she see it. it. It looks really pretty. So pretty. She made it out of a material that my husband and I bought in Tanzania when we went to visit his family. And so I have a, a sentimental mask. And look, it color coordinates with your black shirt. Was, yes. you're, you're, you're styling today. We talked about most of the people who are dying actually from the coronavirus being elderly. I'm wondering if the elderly who are dying are mostly in residential communities with mm -hmm. close contact with each other. What happens when we do release all of this? and people start intermingling together, much the way people in those confined spaces have to, that will have more spread. Yes, <laughs> I, if, we, if, we, if we are going to be um, mingling in, you know, more people are going to get it. So it's very clear that the more you come in contact with people, the more likely you are to contract COVID. It just makes sense to continue to stay away. And I, it's, it's hard. I, I miss my family. I miss my friends. My, my daughters desperately miss school and their friends and daycare and their friends there. But it's not, it's not worth the risk until we know how to, how to heal, you know, how to, how to move forward safely through this. Even if you don't die from this sickness, it's really, really, really bad. And many people are actually getting permanently damaged in some of their organs. They're mm -hmm. sick for weeks and weeks and weeks. And some people may never fully recover. Yeah, this is, this is not just a common cold. You know, this is not just the flu either. You know, this is, this is a very serious illness. And I, I think until folks know someone who has experienced it themselves, that it might not, it might be hard to make it seem real, but, but it is real um, and we need to take it seriously. I think sometimes it's hard to 
realize what, when we see the numbers of so many new cases a day, so many, you know, these deaths, these cases, you know, these people tested negative. When we're just looking at numbers, we are forgetting to put the people to that number and the life, the life and the lives that are impacted by that. And I wish, I wish there was a way to, to do that better because, and just make it, make it more evident how, how this is changing the lives of people and the, the life of our society and community. What advice would you give people to cope? Oh, my advice to cope is to do the thing that makes you feel good, whatever that is. For me, it is making sure that I get outside among some trees. I love living in the city, but I need, I need some trees. And to do that, even on the days when you don't think you do. This is not a time to skimp on that thing that gives you life. This is a lot of hard work. This is a lot of processing. This is a lot of thinking about difficult things and difficult conversations and a lot of what ifs. Do the thing that grounds you every day, even if you want to skip it. That's exceptionally good advice. And I'm glad that we have some trees around here. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, Melissa, I'd like to take a minute of silence just to think about How serious this is. Thank you. Togethering, because we will get through this better when we get through it together.